just going to move right from this, Lord. We don't want to lose any of the steam that you just put in our hearts, Lord God. Um, any of what you've just been doing in us, Lord, in this time of worship, Lord, what you've changed in us, what you've opened up in us. So we just consecrate this to you. We say that we're just going to keep this atmosphere, this exact same spirit, as we move into learning through your word and, and moving into communion, Lord God, that we don't want to change this, but we want to just continue this. So I thank you for this awesome time of worship, and I pray that you would just bring that exact same spirit into what we're going to talk about now. In your name I pray, Jesus. If you guys would just like to maybe grab some carpet, that'd be awesome. You could just take a seat. Like I said, I really do just want to keep that same atmosphere um, because tonight's not about um, preaching and stuff like that. But what we're talking about is we're just talking about communion. So it's more about me just talking to you guys than like preaching at you or something. Um, if I could just have uh, Nicole, could you grab me a water out of there? I actually have one in the in the fridge um, with my name on it. But tonight, we are, the whole reason why we came together tonight um, is about communion. Uh, a while back, a long while back, um, I can't remember exactly, we were talking about communion and we said, you know, really, Steadfast has to do something for communion because we've never even done it before together. Um, we need to make it something. Um, so I decided we should definitely make communion a part of Steadfast. It was just how to do it. So tonight... We're just going to start, uh, before anything else, just by talking a little bit about communion, just kind of to bring it up to speed. Um, communion is often also referred, referred to as the Lord's Supper. You guys have probably heard it that way, um, put in the past. The story of the Lord's Supper is only found and talked about four times in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and there's a comment by Paul to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians. Otherwise, it's not even mentioned in the scripture, just those four times. So it's kind of like a rare, beautiful thing. But that's what we're going to talk about. So if you guys have a Bible and you want to, you could turn to Matthew. That's the book that we're going to read out of. Matthew 26 is where we're going to read from. So here is how the story goes down. We're going to start in, actually, verse um, 26 as well. It says this, During the meal, Jesus took and blessed the bread, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. Take, eat, this is my body. Taking the cup and thanking God, he gave it to them. Drink this, all of you. This is my blood, God's new covenant, poured out for many people, for the forgiveness of sins. I'll not be drinking wine from this cup again, until that new day when I'll drink with you in the kingdom of my Father. When they had all sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So this is a story of the Lord's Supper. Maybe a lot of you have heard it um, before. But here's the deal. It starts out that they were eating Passover together. This meal, this very, very traditional meal. And if you guys don't know it, but Passover goes all the way back to the time of Moses when Moses was trying to free the people from the Egyptian rule, basically God decided to bring these curses down upon Egypt to prove to Pharaoh that he was real and to encourage him to let his people go. Perhaps the most drastic, violent, and destructive was that of Passover. What God basically said was, in the middle of the night, I will send my spirit 
and in the morning the firstborn of everything will be dead. And he said, those of you who follow me, if you don't want this to happen to you, he says, you need to slay a lamb, and you take its blood, and you're going to mark out around your doorframe. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes to the town, he'll see that blood around your doorframe and realize that you are a follower of God, and he'll, over, he'll just pass you by, and he'll leave your firstborn alone. What happened is, is out of this, as tradition kind of came along, this became a feast every single year that they would get together and they would sit down at Passover and they would celebrate this feast, basically celebrating God. Because this was like a big time thing. God was obviously proving himself to be real in the Passover story. So they'd get together and they'd celebrate this. And what maybe we don't think about is traditionally at the end of a meal, at the very end of the Passover meal, which is what happened here, the leader of the group would take the cup and he would lift the cup off, up and he would give one last final thing. It's what they used to call the cup of thanksgiving. And what it was, it was kind of like a final blessing, like a final prayer to God, a final word kind of ending out this entire celebration, this entire meal that was focused on God. Now when we watch this, when we read this story here, what we see is that Jesus Christ stood up to get this, give this cup of thanksgiving to finish off this ceremony that probably these guys had been in before. They'd probably been in a in, a, in another ceremony, another Passover dinner before. It's probably not something new to them. A lot of these men, you know, they're all Jewish, and they've been, they've been doing this since they were probably even young, maybe even like tradition, all the way back to when they were little kids, and it seems like it's, like it's normal. But what happens is when Jesus stands up to give this cup of thanksgiving, instead of just bringing an average blessing, instead of bringing an average prayer, he takes and brings a whole new covenant to the entire world. He takes what was supposed to be very ordinary, special but ordinary, and he stands up and makes it extraordinary. Instead of coming up and giving one last final prayer, he literally raises his glass and he starts an entire new covenant here on earth. This had to be absolutely just, I mean, mind-blowing as the disciples sat there. He didn't raise his hand and just do something that they already knew from the past, but instead he said, this is my body, this is my blood poured out for you. This is the new covenant. It's a crazy thing to think about that. That literally, like I said, in a flash, it went from average to extraordinary. He presented his promise of salvation inside of this cup, which is representing his blood. His ba- his, the bread representing his body that was about ready to be beaten and broken. Now, obviously, this is a tremendously special event when Jesus Christ did this. It wasn't just some small little thing. I understand that only a little while later, Jesus was crucified on the cross, and that's the event that we look to so much. But like, if you just kick back from that, here is where Jesus actually finally establishes what this new covenant's going to be. He holds up this glass, and he explains it. My body will be broken. My blood is the covenant that seals this. And he brings it out to them. So this is a special event. This is something that, we shouldn't be forgetting about. That there's supposed to be some sort of importance with this. That when we read this in the Bible, we can't just read it and look over it and not do anything about it. And we don't. A lot of people have, have realized this. It talks about the fact that you're supposed to do this um, in, some of the other trans, in some of the other books. It talks about, it says, every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So what happened is people said that we need to, we need to redo this somehow. We need to re introduce what Jesus did here to remember him and to give him honor. 
But the real question is then, is how do we serve this remembrance? How and when? What's our frequency going to be? How is it going to be done correct to truly show him honor? Now, churches have kind of come up with a bunch of different ideas. Um, some churches have made it every single week. We're going to take communion. We're going to take this, this idea of his covenant with us. Others say we're going to do it once a month. Some others do completely other things. I'm sure there's some who probably just kind of forget about it altogether, and every so often they might remember and do it. But it shouldn't be how it's supposed to be. Um, when I look at the way churches commonly do communion, and I know there's churches who don't do it this way, but probably if we poll across the audi- audience how many of us have been in churches, if we looked at it, I have a serious problem with how they do communion. To me, when I sit in that service, a lot of times it doesn't feel right to me. It just doesn't feel like it's done correctly. Um, it feels like maybe it was just kind of tacked on to the end of a service or squoze in in between an announcement and another thing that we have to do. Or maybe just done so carelessly that you wonder if anyone actually put any thought into it. It's been abused and been used incorrectly as well. It's not been given the right respect, but it's also been kind of turned and just made lightheartedness of, not with any weight to go with it. Um, Or maybe, just maybe, it's been done not so right, or even done right, but done so many times the same way that guess what creeped in? Monotony. Everything that we were just talking about last week. That maybe even when they sat down and they came up with how they were going to do communion, it was right, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with how they presented it, but you know what? They just did it over and over and over and over again, and after a while, it lost. It lost its specialness. It just became monotonous. You just sat there and thought, this is just once again the same tedious sameness that happened last week. It's nothing new. Um, It's nothing to be cared about. Paul wouldn't let this happen, and that's of the three stories, then there's one where Paul mentioned this. And he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 11, if you want to go there, or you can just listen to me, either way. Um, He didn't want communion abused, and that was his kind of his word to the church in Corinth. So this is what, uh, what he ends up saying about it. It says, regarding this next item, I'm not at all pleased. I'm getting the picture that when you meet together, it brings out your worst side instead of your best. First, I get this report on your divisiveness, competing with and criticizing each other. I'm reluctant to believe it, but there it is. The best that can be said for it is that the testing process will bring truth into the open and confirm it. And then I find you bring your divisions to worship. You come together, and instead of eating the Lord's Supper, you bring in a lot of food from the outside and make pigs of yourself. Some are left out, and some go home hungry. Others have to be carried out, too drunk to walk. I can't believe it. Don't you have your own homes to eat and drink in? Why would you stoop to desecrating God's church? Why would you actually shame God's poor? I never would have believed you would stoop to this. And I'm not going to stand by and say nothing. Let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so, so centrally important. I received my instructions from the Master himself and passed them on to you. The Master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body broken for you. Do this, and remember, do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This is the cup 
of my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You'll be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. So he brings this out because Paul would not stand to see that this was just objected and it was used incorrectly. He talked about how people would come in and some would bring a lot of food because they had wealth and instead of sharing it with everyone else, they just basically gorge themselves, get drunk and fat and other people would come in because they had nothing and they'd leave hungry because they didn't get to partake in the Lord's Supper. He says that is so against God. And then as it goes on farther, he goes down and what does he literally say in his last line as he says, you let familiarity breed contempt. Basically what happens is you're just mistreating it and you just do it in the wrong way. And after a while, just the familiarity of it just turns into nothingness, monotony. Have we let communion become monotonous in the church? It's my question to you. Think about it. Do you think that we've let communion become monotonous? Here's a good test for it. When is the last time you've heard that you were having communion and got excited? When's the last time that you heard we were going to do communion in a service and you were just full of expectation, wanting to know what was going to happen and excited to partake in such an amazing thing? Or was it just something that just kind of rolled off your shoulder as just like another announcement? See, when I look at it, I think that maybe we have kind of made it monotonous. Maybe we have kind of fallen away from the importance that's supposed to be put on it. Paul continues saying this, Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spit on him at his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be part of? Examine your motives. Test your heart. Come to this meal in holy awe. Excitement. If you give no thought, or worse, you don't care about the broken body of the master when you eat and drink, you're running the risk of serious consequences. That's why so many of you, even now, are listless and sick, and others have gone to an early grave. If we get this straight now, we won't have to be straightened out later on. Better to be confronted by the master now than to face, to fi- to face the fiery confrontation later. So, my friends, when you come together to the Lord's table, be reverent and courteous with one another. If you're so hungry that you can't wait to be served, go home and get a sandwich. But by no means risk turning this meal into an eating and drinking binge or a family squabble. It's a spiritual meal, a love fest. So what he finishes is literally by saying, this is serious. You guys might have made it into something that was just a joke where you came and you ate together and you just got drunk and fall down stupid. But he says this is something that's actually really important. He makes the point of saying that you're not even supposed to do this if you don't understand what it means. Now, I know what a lot of people have taken this as, and I'm really still not completely certain on myself. Um, but basically saying the fact, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ right now, there's no point in eating the bread and drinking the wine because what you're doing is then you're just kind of doing it falsely. The whole idea is showing God's covenant coming to you. So I will tell you that tonight. If you guys don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ tonight, it's totally cool. No one's going to look at you funny or look at you weird. But just don't partake tonight. Just be part of the experience, but don't eat the bread and drink the, the wine or the juice as we use tonight. Just be part of it 
And don't take that until you're ready, until you have made that covenant. But when I read this, what stands out even more to me, maybe because I've been saved for a while, is the fact that he says, it's not just whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ or not. He talks about the fact that when you come in and you give no thought, when you don't care, when you basically just don't even think about what you're doing, he says that you suffer the consequences. So really when I thought about it, it come back to me and I thought, man, those people who come into service and they don't have any relationship with Jesus Christ and they eat and drink, there's punishment with that. But I thought back to myself and I thought, I bet you I have just as much punishment on me because how many times have I ate that bread and drank that wine and not thought anything of it whatsoever? It was just a step in a service, something that we had to get done before we went into the preaching of the word and I didn't give it any thought and I gave it no importance in my own heart. How much condemnation have I put on myself by mistreating what that covenant's supposed to be? That it's supposed to be a spiritual meal, something important. I don't think that we can do this anymore. Once you hear it, you have to respond to it. See, maybe before this, you guys could have got out on it and said, you know, I've never been taught this. But now that you just sat here for the past 10, 15 minutes, now there's weight on top of your shoulders. Anything that you read in the Bible has to be applied. Jesus is never meant to be taught. It's always meant to be lived and applied in our lives. So if I just showed you something, if you just thought of something and something just struck your head, that means that you can't just go on like normal. But now you have to do something about it. You have to change something. So can we fix this? Can we figure out something that we can do in order to break this monotony, in order to kill what it's done in our lives? Well, it just so happens that I heard a really good speech, a really good message on monotony only last week. It was pretty decent, and um, some of the points in it we can use right now. We can use right now to take and to fix this monotonous thing that has happened. So let's take a look at it with what we learned last week. First of all, we will no longer do communion just because. We no longer will take communion just because. Remember I talked about how because is never a good enough reason for something. I don't care what it is, even something as important as communion, even something that I just talked about that's so amazingly critical and so spiritually important, but I'm not going to take communion just because, because that's wrong. It's not a good enough reason, not at all. But instead, we're going to have to start working at this. Remember I talked about last week about us re-examining, going back, not just because, but now we're going to look at the original reasons, maybe even find new reasons. Why do we do this? Because because isn't good enough. So why would we take communion? First of all, we take communion to remember the past. A really easy way to look at it is obviously we're remembering Jesus Christ. But also, what are we remembering? We're remembering that sad story that used to be our lives. When we take communion, we look back, not at only just Jesus Christ way back when, but maybe just the distant past and look at who we used to be. Look at that sick, lame story that our lives used to be. Look at what we've left behind. Second, we start to celebrate now. Because now we have this new life. Jesus Christ has come in and he's changed us. Um, by his blood, the entire story, man, of salvation, Jesus Christ coming here to earth and me being burdened by my own sin, because of my sin, I was doomed for death, for hell. 
But then when he died on the cross as a holy sacrifice, perfect because he hadn't sinned, his blood covered all of my sins, and now I get to go to heaven. I know I said it before, but do you guys realize that literally means that Jesus Christ died for all the sins I did do, all the sins I did today, and all the sins I will continue to do to the day I die. He died for all those in that one moment. You understand, like, it's not like tomorrow I lose my salvation when I hit myself in the thumb with a hammer and curse. It's not gone. It's still there. He already paid for those sins. It's my continued belief in him that gives me that assurance of salvation. But we celebrate the now. We realize the fact that we are a new creation. We're no longer that old person that we can look back on and see all those flaws and all those failures. But instead, we're something new and we're something um, just absolutely ecstatic. And when we look around the circle that we're eating communion with, it shouldn't just be so inward. It should be outward as well. As we're eating communion, that we don't just think about ourselves, but we look around and see so many people, like right now when we eat communion, that you're going to look around and see so many people who you've seen life changes in, who you've seen just ugly lives turned into something beautiful. It's supposed to be community. It's a holy feast. You look around, you see those people as well. And also, during communion, we're anticipating the future. I think this one probably gets forget a lot. Because see, when Christ finished the meal, do you hear what he said? He says, I'm not going to eat and drink until I eat and drink with you. He says, this was the last time I sat down with you guys, and basically I had supper with you. And he says, until that day comes when it's all over and you sit down with me, and we all get to basically do this, this big, huge meal, he says, I don't eat again. He says, I'm waiting for you. So we anticipate the future when we, when we eat this, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, that it doesn't have to be just all solemn too, you know, that, that old past and today. But it's exciting because we realize as we do this, that we are just once again reiterating the fact, saying, Jesus Christ, I can't wait to the day. I can't wait to the day that I get to sit down and eat that meal with you. I can't wait. I'm sorry I've made you wait this long, buddy. I know you're probably hungry. But sooner or later, we're going to get to sit down and we're going to get to eat, eat this meal together to look forward to that day. What's another thing that we can do to get rid of monotony? I talked about it last week. You can change some stuff. I talked about how last week, how we are not trains. We are not trains that are on tracks and can only speed up or slow down, but we are planes that have a ridiculous amount of controls, yaw, pitch, roll, all these crazy maneuvers that we can do, that we're not boxed in by God, but instead we are liberated by God. And there is so much we can do to change. There is so much we can do to change. And this is where I get excited because we have control of all of our circumstances. We don't have to do it like it's always been done. We can change. How many of you guys are willing and ready for change? You ready and willing to say, I'm tired of what the old school is. I'm tired of status quo. But instead, I want something different. I want to do something new. Yes? Are you guys excited for an actual difference in what we're going to do? Not just do the same thing that your parents did and your grandparents did, but instead we're going to give it value in a whole new way? That makes me excited. That makes me just ridiculously amped. I can't wait to do it because when I decide to give it honor, when we decide to give it honor, then we're going to do it right. We're not going to get boxed in by old traditions, not to say that those weren't timely and that they weren't right. But we're not going to just use what they did, but instead we're going to use the knowledge that we have to create something beautiful. So we decided this. 
we're no longer just going to do communion as a five-minute thing in a service. From now on, we're going to do communion every so often, three times a year. And on those nights, we're going to do nothing else but communion. Tonight, we're not doing a message. We had worship to prepare our hearts for it. But tonight is communion. That's it. This is just in preparation, hoping that you guys are getting your spirits in the right, right way. But I'm not preaching a message. I'm just trying to get you guys' heart in the right place for communion tonight. That you're ready for it, to partake in it the correct way, and to really experience it. And we said we're going to give communion an entire night, that we're going to give it the value that it deserves. We're going to make it something interesting instead of boring. Not only that, but you personally can change the way that you approach communion. Because I know outside of Thursday nights, there's going to be communion services you're going to be in. And sometimes you may even get that little tap saying, wow, this really isn't giving the respect and the honor that communion deserves. But you can change the way that you look at it. You don't have to look at it like everyone else in that service does, where they just take it and they eat and drink and don't think anything of it. But when you take that, even though it's in a small window, you can give it the correct honor in your heart. And you can say, I realize why I do this. I don't just do it just because. But I do it because of you, Jesus Christ. And you can give it that correct honor in your heart. You can change the way you approach it very, very simply, even physically. Today, in preparation for communion tonight, I decided that I was going to fast all day. I haven't eaten one thing since the beginning of morning. I figured that I would take and just not eat all day and that the only food that I would get, the first food that I would get of my day would be the Lord's Supper at the end of the night, that I wouldn't take anything else. And you know what? It's been really awesome. So I encourage you guys, let stuff like that just change. Don't fall into monotony, but even do changes in your own life like that. It's been awesome. I've prayed more, and I really do think it's going to have special significance when I get to eat the Lord's Supper, and it's the very first thing um, of the day that I'm eating. So tonight, we're not going to live by the status quo. We're not going to do the monotonous, but instead, we're going to do the exciting. So here's a few things that we're going to do tonight, and it's just some direction for how we're going to accomplish this and give it its honor. First, we're going to have a time of just looking back and of kind of just self-looking in on who we are today talks about, like I said, we got to look back and we got to remember the past. You don't know who you are unless you remember the past. Think back of who you used to be. But then also, you're going to look inward tonight, just like Paul talked about, about examining yourself before you eat. And you're going to say, God, is there something I'm holding back from you? What is it right now before I take this food and I declare that covenant with you again? What is it that I'm holding back and I'm making a mockery of you when I eat it? Because I know when Jesus died, he didn't die for part of your life. He died for all of your life. And you can't take and hold back a small portion and say, no, this is mine. I give you everything else, but I, I can't let go of this. That's not salvation. That's not true dedication. That's, that's not what Jesus died for. So maybe it's, sacri- it's, it's looking at yourself and saying, what do I have to sacrifice? What do I need to give up and say, God, you have it? Or maybe even just sin that's in your own life, and you say, God, I need to cut this out of my life, and I am sorry, and that you repent beforehand, that you have to prepare yourself for what's going to happen. So we'll have a, we'll have a time like this where we'll just have, you guys can do whatever you want in here. We're just going to play some music, and you guys just take that time. A couple of songs. After that, we're going to take, and we're going to sit down together. Big old circle right up in here, all facing in. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to pass out the bread and the juice. And as we all sit down together, just really shortly, one or two sentences, we're going to go around the circle. And I'm going to encourage everyone just to say a couple of sentences of who you are today because of what Jesus Christ has done in your life. The now. You used to be this, but who are you today? You can say a couple of sentences, even just as simple as, I didn't know who I was, but today I know who I am because of Jesus Christ. Something even just that simple. One or two sentences just explaining who you are now today and why when you drink and you eat, it's going to be important to you. And we'll just go through that quickly together. Then we'll all together eat and drink. And after that, we're going to celebrate and look forward to the future. Take and put all of our cups up here. Cassie and and Nicole are going to come back up, and we're going to do a couple more worship songs. And during this time, man, I just encourage you guys, just have that smile on your heart thinking about that day when you're going to get to actually, man, take the Lord's Supper, and Jesus Christ is going to be the guy breaking the bread, not me. He's going to break the bread and say, man, take, eat. This is my body. To look forward to that day and just to celebrate it. And after that, man, we'll still have fun tonight because seriously, God is so freeing, and I can't wait. I mean, I hope you guys get this tonight and feel it, and I'll close it out at the end. So just starting right now, we're going to play a couple quiet songs, and you guys go wherever you need to and just focus in. Look at the past and self-examine. When it finishes out, I'll call us all back together. you guys to um, to come on up here and we're going to just after we get um, the bread <coughs> and the juice we're going to take and just sit down in a big circle here everyone facing in so we can all communicate to each other but um, I think it'd be easiest probably most realistic if you guys just want to come up here and look at the bread You guys can grab a piece of bread and grab a cup of juice and go ahead and take your seats. If you guys aren't taking community tonight, you can just go ahead and take a seat. It's totally cool. I was just, um, I was thinking about this while we were starting. Um, I said it might be a, a good idea to ask, um, is there anybody who didn't, or maybe did take the bread right now, who says, I really think that I have a relationship with God, but I don't know if I do or not. Like maybe someone who might have taken the bread and said, I think I do, but I've never really 
said the words, or I'm kind of scared in my heart, like I want it, but I don't really know. If there's anyone like that, you guys could just real quickly, you guys want to raise your hand. If it's something like you say like, you know, I've never said the words and I'm not sure, you know, in my heart right now. You just raise your hands and we can take care of it right now before we even go any farther. If there's anyone in the circle. Sean, totally, dude. That's awesome. Seriously. Well, let's pray together because that's awesome. You guys say that you want to make Jesus Christ your Lord? Then we'll just start right here. You guys just want to repeat after me, and we'll all pray together, okay? We'll all pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe that you came and died on the cross for me. And that my sins were too heavy for me to pay. But when you died, you wiped that all away. Jesus, I count on you and you alone for my salvation. I believe that your blood is enough to take away all that sin and to bring me into heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I am yours. Amen. a special significance, doesn't it? I mean, like I said, it's a spiritual meal. It's important. It isn't something to be taken lightly, you know. Um, there was no one else in the circle who said that, was there? You guys just did, but is there anyone who did say that that was the deal? All right. Well, I want to move forward in this, because here's the deal. Like I said, we're celebrating the fact that we are something new. Dude, right here, two brand new creations who just, two brand new creations. <laughs> You know, who, wanted, who, who said this is what they want their, their lives to be. You know, that's what we are. We are a brand new creation in God. And that there's so much to be excited about. So just real quick to go around the circle. I'm going to take off my mic so I don't seem like I'm overpowering. Um, just real quick to go around the circle. Um, just something quickly about yourself. We don't have to go in any order. You just speak. And when there's a lull, I figure everyone has spoken. But we're just going to go, okay? And just keep it rolling, okay? So I'll start. All the things we talked about in the circle, all the things that um, we just said, the reasons why, um, the reasons for our hearts being in here, and the reason for us taking these things that we just said, is the whole reason why we take this, and we're not taking it just because it's religion, but it's because it's something special to us. So let's all take it together because um, we're a community here. So the bread that represents Jesus' body that was broken for us, that was beaten and torn apart in punishment. Let's take it together. Biggest reason why I don't believe in transubstantiation is the fact that I don't think I have Jesus stuck in my teeth. And now, just as important, even more important, the cup. Jesus Christ raised us at the end of a meal thousands of years ago. He raised it up and he made a brand new promise, a brand new covenant that is everything that we just talked about around the circle, everything that we count on. The only reason, the only reason why we believe when we die that we're going to get to go to heaven, we're going to be paid for 
and all that stuff is going to get wiped away is because of what this cup represents. So we, like I said before, we don't do it out of religion or just because, but we take it because it means something to us to symbolize the covenant with us. So let's take it together. If Cassie and Nicole, why don't you guys come up here? And I just want to end this time here with prayer before we go into worship. So Lord, I thank you. And Lord, just as you said that we do this in remembrance of you, that's why we do it, and that's the only reason why we do it. But we no longer do it just because. But God, that we dick, we took all of this, Lord God, and we did it for you to remember you, to honor you, because of what you said to us. So Lord, even as we look back and as we we're here in the in the present, Lord, we also look forward to the future when we get to eat this meal once again with you, just truly commune with you, Lord God. So now as we move into this time of worship, um, Lord, it's not like it's something separate, but it's the exact same thing. Then we enter this time of worship just completely abandoned to you, saying, God, we've given all of our life to you, and we just give all of our worship to you as well. So I just pray to you, God, that as we, as we enter into this, that we wouldn't hold anything back, but we just let you know that we love you so much, and we can't wait to that day. We can't wait to that day when we get to spend eternity with you and eat that meal with you. Amen. We just thank you so much for everything that you are. God, uh, there's nothing that we can say. There's not enough words to put down um, just to express how much we love you, how great you are, God. But we just thank you for tonight. Um, I pray to you, God, tonight, truly, you did smile, Lord God, as you looked upon us. I pray to you, Jesus Christ, that we gave you the correct amount of honor in what we did tonight. And I just pray to you, Jesus Christ, to thank you um, just for the changes I know that I felt in my own heart. And I, I pray also the changes that we've felt in our own hearts, all of us here tonight, that something has changed, that we realize maybe that we need to make sure we give you this honor, Lord God, and just a different kind of heart change. I thank you, God, so much just for the confirmed salvations tonight, Lord God. It is the fact of knowing for sure um, that, that they're going to spend eternity with you, Jesus Christ. I thank you so much. And I just praise you and I honor you tonight. And um, Lord, once again, I give you all the glory for tonight. I just pray to you, Jesus Christ, that we would just continue to make you proud, that this wouldn't just be a one-night thing, but we continue to live you day in and day out. So I just thank you for what you did tonight, and I can't even just, I can't wait, Lord, for that day that we all get to sit down together, Lord God, at that big, long table in heaven that I look down and I see all these people sitting with me, all of my friends here in Steadfast sitting there waiting for you to break the bread and truly just have that communion meal that you're waiting for right now. I look forward to that day, Jesus Christ. I can't wait for it. It's in your precious name that I pray, Jesus Christ. In your name that I count for all these things. In your name that is so holy. Amen.